If you're new or visiting, we're going through the Psalms, and so we find ourselves in Psalm 78. It's a long Psalm, so let's get going. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and we know you have a plan through your word this morning. So I just pray for the gift of teaching, and Lord, for every heart that we be attentive to your word. This is a love letter. You are such an incredible God, and you've given us instructions, you've given us your Holy Spirit, to give us wisdom and guidance and strength through the truths of your word. So, Lord, even this morning, so many lives here, I know there's so many things going on. Help us to lay aside those thoughts, those distractions, and to focus these few minutes in eternity on your word, that we might learn about your goodness, your faithfulness, and and that you are a just God. So bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we continue in the Psalms and and with what is taking place this past week, I thought of legacy. Legacy. What comes to mind when you hear the word legacy? What comes to your mind? Who comes to mind when you think of the phrase leaving a legacy, or making a legacy. Who comes to mind? You see, most of the time we think of the rich, the famous, or the well-known. And and this past week, our family personally knew a 29-year-old man that was murdered. We also knew a 23-year-old woman who died of a hospital complication. You see, they left a legacy. And so we have a slide here, definition, legacy. A gift by will, especially of money or other personal property. That's one definition. Another definition is something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor, or from the past. And I think this is hard for us to grasp, as most of us think of a legacy as financial. And I don't know about you, but for me, I've I've seen it on TV, and I get information in the mail about how you can gift your estate to this school or to this 501c3 And it's about the finances. You can gift your jewelry. You can gift your car. Nothing gives, nothing has been gifted about your debt. That hasn't come across my desk yet. But you can gift all these other things. So oftentimes we just think of the finances. But really, as we just noted, a legacy can be anything that is left behind. And I personally look at that as our testimony. Testimony. What did our life testify of? See, as we get into the psalm here, it's going to be about legacy. What did our life, what did my life testify of? Or what did our beliefs leave for others to consider? Beliefs, whatever those beliefs may have been. What did our beliefs leave for others to consider? Or 
How did our lives impact the lives of others? That could be negative, that could be positive. But these are questions that we need to think about. How did our life, how did my life impact the life of others? You see, no matter what age we leave this planet, we are all going to leave a legacy of some sort. And so as we continue in the psalm here, Asaph is speaking about a legacy, the nation of Israel, as we read this psalm here. And the psalm is a song. All the psalms are songs. And he is going to rehearse the ups and downs of Israel's history as a nation. That God was always there for them. Guiding and providing for them every step of the way. But as human nature would have it, they complained. And they found reasons to accuse God, specifically, to accuse God about their circumstances. Now this is, as we look at verse 1, this is the Asaph of David's day. So, Psalm 78, a contemplation of Asaph. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. First and foremost here, Asaph points his readers to the word of God. To the word of God. The word incline in the Hebrew there, and you can get a dictionary, you can look this up yourself, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. It means to stretch or spread out. To stretch or to spread out. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears. Pay attention. Listen. Be attentive. You see, the Word of God will always give us the truth about our current situation, as well as warn us about a possible coming situation. You see, the nation of Israel is warned over and over again about their behavior and the effects that their behavior was going to have or to bring upon themselves. And that's one of the blessings of having the Bible. It does warn us, which is good. Just as we try to warn our children on a regular basis, we're not trying to be, you know, killjoys. We're trying to keep them safe because we love them. And unfortunately, when we get older, we kind of look at God as a cosmic killjoy. All the do's and don'ts. He's constantly trying to take away my fun. And unfortunately, that's just a poor concept of God, which I had at one time. I had that concept. Until I started to read the Bible and really come to understand, no, God loves me. God loves me more than my parents, more than my wife, more than anyone. God loves me, and he's just trying to keep me safe. But I have free will. I can still do what I want to do. But I would be wise to heed the warnings. And so that's the first thing we need to pay attention of, that we would be wise to listen to the warnings found in the Word of God. For the behavior of mankind has not changed, nor have the effects of God's discipline. In verses 2 through 4, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord 
and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. You see, one of the roles of the parents, whether you're a single parent or have a father and mother family situation, was to instruct his children in the ways of the Lord, in his goodness, and our responsibility of seeking after his righteousness, or being right with God. Not becoming self-righteous, not becoming religious and pious, but when you hear the word righteousness, it means just growing in being right with God. Because he is right, and I am wrong. And so as I am wrong, as I'm in my word, I now know, oh no, that's wrong. His way is right. I want to be right with him. So I'm going to get right with him. You see, Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says this. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Not just in your mind. They need to sink down those 14, 16 inches. It's not talking about physical heart. It's talking about your being, your soul, your makeup. They need to sink down. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So in other words, just a casual conversation. Something takes place and you you might say something. And it might only be five seconds. But you're saying something to elevate their eyes to heaven. It's not always a half-hour dissertation. It might just be five, ten seconds. When you walk by the way, just taking the time as you're doing something. You know, I'm doing this with our grandson on a regular basis. You know, we're out, we're out digging, moving rocks, doing different things, just keeping him busy. And I just talk about God and how good he is and how much he gives to us and how blessed we are. And it's so cute to hear his little voice go, We are blessed, Papa. Yes, we are. We have so much. When you lie down. Now, this was not real big on my list. Claudia did a great job with this. Every night, going in, laying down with the kids, rubbing their backs, talking to them about the Lord, singing with them, praying with them. She just did a phenomenal job. Still does. So taking that time to lie down. And when you rise up, What a glorious morning. Praise God. Gave me strength to get out of bed. Our God is so good. Referencing God. Talking about his word. You know, even if we think our children are not listening, which oftentimes we think they're not listening, they hear it. It's our responsibility as parents to let them know the facts of the word. And they will be held accountable for their own actions. We just need to present the truth in love. Verses 5 through 7, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. When you hear that word, that just means the word of God. Which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them. The children who would be born. That they may arise and declare them to their children. So for us, that would be the grandchildren. So for your children, pass the word to your children, that they will pass it to their children, which would be our grandchildren. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. 
You see, Asaph was committed to letting the truth be known. And he desired to pass on the heritage of the word of God to the next generation. Why? You know, why is this so important? Well, so that the next generation didn't forget, which we all do so easily, that the next generation would not forget the love, the grace, the mercy, the tenderness, the faithfulness, the discipline, the justice of God. What do we see happening in America? Unfortunately, a whole generation that doesn't understand God's faithfulness. A whole generation that is not seeking after the God of all creation. And yes, there are pockets of believers here and there, but as a whole, this country has moved away from the heritage. You think of legacy. From the heritage of the Word of God. And is seeking to establish a new way of thinking. Even pressing that upon the church. Even pressing that upon the word of God. That the word of God is wrong and you are wrong for thinking that way. That's why we as a nation find ourselves in a culture. This is our culture, if you're realistic about it. Of rape, murder, incest, sexual as well as physical abuse extreme drug and alcohol dependence that crosses over generations. You see, this nation is in desperate times because this nation, this is the basic simple truth, this nation has left the truth of God's word. Verse 8, this is what happens when a person leaves the word of God. This is what happens when a nation leaves the word of God. And may not be like their fathers. So Asaph references, hey, remember the word, teach it to your children, that they might teach it to their children, your grandchildren, that they might not be like what? Like their fathers, their great-grandfathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation that did not let its set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. You see, they became stubborn and rebellious, no longer setting their hearts upon God and His ways. And when a person, even a Christian today, when a person stops seeking after God, this includes me as well, that person will become unfaithful to God. And this will express itself in ways But most importantly, it will express itself by moving away from the truth. You know, as a pastor, I do counsel. I'm not a counselor. I'm a discipler. But oftentimes, people come in and sit in my office as a believer and try to convince me that the sin that they are committing is justified because of someone else's sin or because of someone else's reaction to them. And and they are totally sincere in trying to justify their own sin. And I just sit there and shake my head. I go, are you listening to yourself? You are just so deceived. This is not not biblical. You are not following what you say that you follow. 
And they'll just leave the office. Well, that's what that's the way it is, and this is what I'm going to do. And it's grieving. But guys, this is just reality. Again, it just includes myself. We will find ourselves being expressingly moving away from the Word of God. Well, that's what the Bible says, but you know what? This is just what I have to do this. And if you don't accept me, that's your problem. That's just the way it is. Verses 9 through 11, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused. I have that highlighted in my Bible. They refused. What is that saying? They they had choices. They refused. It's not that they didn't have a choice. They literally refused to follow God. We're going to do it our way, and our way's better way, but yet they find themselves running from the enemy. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works. That's why we need to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Even like on a Sunday morning as we're going through 150 psalms, many of these psalms are very similar. But yet we need to rehearse them over and over again because as we go out into our week and we start fighting the battles, the spiritual battles, all of a sudden we find ourselves doing something we shouldn't be doing. We're going, hello, sorry God, I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have said that. I am so sorry. I shouldn't have thought that. That's why we have repetition. Because unfortunately, even as saints, we're trapped in these bodies of sin. We need to be very, very careful that we don't forget God's works and His wonders that He had shown them. You see, Asaph starts to give specific examples of how the Israelites moved away from God and the direct consequences of those actions. And when we're not in the Word, we cannot see how the enemy of our soul is deceiving us. If there is a God, and there is, if you believe in the Bible, which most of you do, you also know that there is a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. You see, this will express itself in many ways. I'm sorry, we will find ourselves either running from the enemy or running with the enemy. Slow down here. We will find ourselves either running with the enemy because we're neglecting God's word, or hanging out in his camp. Both of which are very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And you see, Asaph puts the problem right out there. They refuse to listen. They refuse to remember. They refuse to walk in God's ways. And this will always end in defeat for you and I. Always end in defeat. God proved himself faithful to the Israelites over and over again. They had no excuses as they had seen miracle after miracle. But as we have studied over the years, seeing, seeing doesn't always bring belief. There will always be that, well, if I just saw one more miracle, then I would believe. Well, if I just saw, you know, it's, well, okay. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verses 12 through 16, Asaph shares a small recap of God's provision, which was miracle after miracle. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the waters stand up like a heap. 
In the daytime also he led them with a cloud. Now as we're reading this, remember, Asaph lived David's day 1000 BC roughly. So 3000 years ago. He was very, very close to when these things took place. Because many times people read this and go, oh, that never happened. No, that's, that's fictive. You know, it's fiction. That's craziness. No, he's rehearsing what took place. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud. And all the night with the light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. You see, marvelous things God did in the presence of the whole nation. But once again, the important thing to notice here is that even though they saw miracle after miracle, they still gave in to their fleshly desires, which you and I still have as believers because we live in today in an instant gratification mentality. And it was the same back then, 3,000 years ago, 3,500 years ago. So it doesn't change, guys. Humans are humans. We all have flesh, and we all want instant gratification. You see, it takes a heart transformation to not have the next verses take place, which is 17 through 22. But they sinned even more against him. By rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart. By asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. Now, this is a commentary, guys. It's a song, but it's a commentary of what actually took place. And don't we see this even in our own lives at times? We can identify with this because this is reality. They, yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this and was furious. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust. Notice those two things there. They did not believe and they did not trust in his salvation. Sad commentary about a group of people and their lack of faith even when they continually saw God working in their midst. Again, notice, they chose to not believe in God. It wasn't that God didn't make himself evidence. And that's the same way that we have today. If a person just looks at creation, just creation, just look at your own hand and how it works. Look at your eyeball. Do a little study on the eyeball. It's impossible to not acknowledge that there is an intelligent creator. Even most scientists today will acknowledge that there has to be an intelligent design out there. Designer. We know that intelligent designer as God. As God. And if you're doing your daily reading, which I encourage you to do from Genesis to Revelation, Colossians chapter 1 and 2 today spoke of that designer. That Jesus spoke everything into being. And we go, well, that's impossible. 
That's that's stupid. That, that's silly. Uh, how about gases? Everything came from gases. That's not silly. That's scientific. Oh, okay. Really? No. It's belief. You either believe you came from gas or you came from God. You can't prove either one at the bottom. You know, at the end of the day, who can prove either one? You can't. So you accept what you want to believe. So as we accept Christ, as we accept God, as we accept his word, let's learn from it and not make the same mistakes that the Israelites did that are being rehearsed for us right here, right now. You see, they chose to not believe in God, which caused them to not trust in God. Guys, those are connected for you and me even this day. If I really believe the first ten words in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, if I really believe that, can he help me? Can he help me through the day? Can he help my really small problems when you think of designing a world? Yeah, I think he can. So my belief definitely impacts my trust. In 23 through 31, even though they didn't believe, this is so key, God still worked in their midst because God loved them. Yet, in verse 23, he, notice the capital H, so God, had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna. Manna, what is it? The bread from heaven. On them to eat and gave them bread from heaven. Men, women, ate angels food. He sent them food to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens. And by his power, he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust. Feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. So they ate and were well filled. For he gave them their own desire. Notice that. Quail three feet deep. They were not deprived of their cravings. But while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them. And struck down the choice men of Israel. See, God gave them food from heaven. And he also brought quail into the camp to fill their bellies with meats. But with blessings comes accountability. And they were held accountable for their actions, their grumblings, their complainings, their distrust. Even after seeing miracle after miracle. So again, if you're here to see a miracle, it means nothing. Many of them died because of their rebellion at this point. And it's just amazing to me how God can bless and there will still be a rebellious mind in our hearts at times. Even for us. When that rebellion remains though, it grows and festers and it creates a spiritual cancer that eats away at our soul. We have to be so careful because it could even lead to our next verses in verses 32 and 33. In spite of this, they still sin. And again, I have this verse highlighted in my Bible. I would encourage you to highlight your Bible. Mark it up. There's a point here. Even after all the miracles, seeing God's hand. And then you hear what God did in the previous verses, and you might think, well, that's pretty cruel of God. No, they're just reaping what they sowed. 
Because it says in spite of all this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. Just a consequence of their choices. Verses 34 through 37. When he slew them, then they sought him and they returned and sought earnestly for God. When they, then they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue. For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. Again, notice the exchange here. God does something, man does something, God does something, man does something. You see, this doesn't apply to every single one of the Israelites, of course, but there would be this ebb and flow throughout their wandering experience. They would sin against God, and some would repent. Others would remain in their stubbornness and be chastened by God. Many lost their lives because of their stubbornness, and only two from the original adults that came out of Egypt made it through the wilderness years and entered into that promised land, Caleb and Joshua. Only two. You see, they remained faithful throughout their lives and entered into the promised land to pass on the heritage of God, that God was their rock, their fortress, their deliverer. What were they doing? They were passing on a legacy. They were passing on a legacy. Because, you see, Joshua and Caleb, they started to go into the promised land. It wasn't all conquered. And as you read the Bible, you'll see at the end of seven years that Caleb says, hey, give me the mountain that God said should be mine. So so think this through. As they were going into the promised land, Joshua is rehearsing everything that God did, everything that God provided, how he took care of us for 40 years in the wilderness. He was there for us. He's going in with us to the promised land. All of these things were taking place, but yet there was still this stubborn, rebellious heart. Verses 38 and 39, But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were what? But flesh, human beings. A breath that passes away And does not come again. As I mentioned this past week. Very grieving. 29 year old man. Friend of the family. Murdered. 23 year old woman. Hospital complication. You see guys we never know when we're going to be called home. And it's important to remember we are going to leave a legacy. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? How are they, how are we going to be remembered? And yes, we'll have that memorial service and, and there'll be the platitudes. But the platitudes might not change someone else's life. We want to leave a legacy that's going to impact people where they are going to say, I want to be like, I would like to know their God. It's amazing how Jesus impacted their life. That's the legacy that we ultimately want to leave. You see, how often 
In verse 40, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God. And limited, notice that word there, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy. You see, when we disobey, we limit how much God desires to work in our lives. We limit how much we can do through the Holy Spirit because we are not attentive to the Holy Spirit. But when we surrender, this is key for you and I again this morning. Again, as you you often hear me talk about this because I have to do this. When we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit, wow, God can do a work. He can do a work in, in our life and He can do a work through our life. A wonderful work. Because Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You and I as believers, guys, every day God desires to do a good work in us and through us. Are we available? Are we willing? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just walk. God says, just walk with me. Just talk with me. And then share that with others. Just just do it. Just do it in simplicity. I was talking to a brother uh, this past week. He was in a Walmart. And he started talking with somebody. And he said, man, it was just God. It was like fruit that was ready to fall off the tree. And he has the gift of evangelism. And he just kept talking to him, And they were talking. And all of a sudden, in Walmart, he prayed with two people to receive Jesus as their Savior. In Walmart. You see, God will use us anywhere if we're available. These people needed. Other people planted, other people watered, fertilized, like we can do throughout the week. And he just happened to be there at that right time. And he was able to say, hey, would you just like to receive Jesus right now as your Savior? Yes. See, we don't think that could ever happen, so we don't do it. But if we allow ourselves to be used of God, it can happen. We limit. We limit what God desires to do in our lives. Verses 43 through 51. When he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the fields of Zoan, turned their rivers into blood and their streams that they could not drink. Now he's going to talk about Egypt, those days of the pestilence. He sent swarms of flies among them, which devoured them, and frogs, which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to the caterpillar and their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. He also gave up their cattle to the hail and their flocks to the fiery lightning. He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels of destruction among them. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death, but gave their life over to the plague and destroyed the firstborn in Egypt, the first of their strength in the tents of Ham. You see, Asaph is able to look back and see the hand of God. And we can forget about God's faithfulness in time, at times due to our current stress of a situation. But when we look back and remember his faithfulness, when we meditate on how often he delivered us before, our current situation doesn't look so bad. The stress level drops down, and we find ourselves once again trusting in the Lord. Verse 52, but he made his own people go forth like sheep. Picture of the shepherd here. And guided them in the wilderness like a flock. 
And he led them on safely so that they did not fear. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies and brought them to his holy border. This mountain which his right hand had acquired. He also drove out the nations before them, allotted them an inheritance by survey, and made the tribes of Israel dwell in their own tents. You see that wonderful picture of the shepherd with his sheep. And and what is interesting about this picture is that the sheep are one of the dumbest animals alive. For sheep to be truly healthy, they need to rely upon a shepherd. And what does the Bible say about you and me? We're sheep. You see, without a shepherd, we will die from starvation, thirst, disease, or predators. You see, sheep must have a shepherd in order to survive. And that's a great picture for us as believers. Without our chief shepherd, Jesus, watching over us, we would just wander off the path and continue to make our own poor choices. That's just reality. Yet he tested and provoked the Most High, And did not keep his testimonies, verse 57, but turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow. For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. When God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh the tent he had placed among men and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He also gave his people over to the sword and was furious with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men and their maidens were not given in marriage. Their priest fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. When the Lord awoke us from sleep like a mighty man who shouts because of wine, And he beat back his enemies. He put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. You know, as we look at this time frame here, we're reading from the exodus of the Israelites to the time of David, which is 400 plus years. And even after 40 years in the wilderness, even after hundreds of years in the promised land, They forsook the ways of God. And think about this with America. We've we've done a lot of bad things over the last 400 years in America. A lot of bad things. I mean, there's no question about that. We've made a lot of poor choices. But we had the Word of God at the center. And we have totally moved away from that. And what are we reaping as a nation now? Are we better off now than we were 200 years ago? 100 years ago? 50 years ago, are we better off by abandoning the word of God? I think the answer is obvious. Again, we made plenty of mistakes. But do we keep making mistakes? And not say enough is enough, let's get back to what was right? Verses 68 through 72, But chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved, and he built his sanctuary like the heights. Like the earth which he has established forever, he also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes that that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So speaking now of King David and how King David ruled over the entire nation. So he shepherded them, notice small h, so speaking of David. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. 
And as most of you know, David made some poor choices. But he repented. That's the example that we get from David. Nobody's perfect. None of us are perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. But he repented. And he tried to get right with God. You know, as the music team comes up, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Are we able to look back and learn from our mistakes? You see, guys, there's nothing wrong with looking back. But unfortunately, our society has gotten into this mode of, well, let's look back and blame our parents, blame our grandparents, let's blame our kindergarten teacher, let's blame somebody. Somebody has to be responsible for my poor choices. So let's find somebody to blame. No. No, let's step up and be responsible. And stop blaming everybody else and say, what can I do? What can I do in my life? A few more questions. What will people say about our legacy? Sure, they can pick us apart. You guys, you guys can pick me apart. We can all find things wrong with people. That comes easily for us. But hopefully, we will also leave a positive legacy that will far outweigh the negative. Will God be a part of that legacy? Will people actually be able to say, you know what, he trusted God. He wasn't perfect, but he trusted God. He wasn't sinless, but he sinned less. He went out stronger than when he first met Christ. You know, what we will encourage others to do with the time that they have left. As my wife and I were talking about these two incidences, you know, when that, when that young man got up that morning, he wasn't thinking, well, I'm going to be shot. I'm going to die today. He just got up, brushed his teeth, took the shower, whatever he did. Just got up going about his business, minding his own business. And that was it. Party's over. The gal went into the hospital just for something normal, just for something standard. She got a, she got a, an infection and was gone in a matter of hours. Went septic. 23 years old. She wasn't expecting that. This is just normal, normal procedure. See, guys, we all have to take these things seriously. None of us know when we're going to leave this earth. And I would encourage you to think about this week. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to do this. Not not sit down and write your eulogy. (laughs) But maybe sit down and see what would people maybe say about me. Am I actually leaving a legacy? Yes, you are. I can tell you that right now. You are leaving a legacy. So get past that and now ask the next question. What kind of legacy am I leaving? Is it negative? Is it positive? Is God involved with it at all? What, 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 you know, how do people just walk away after the service and go, well, he's dead. Okay, let's go back to work. Life goes on. Or are people going to be challenged with your life as they leave and go, you know what? There was something different about that. I got to think about that. I really have to evaluate that. Things that people said at that moment, that's just, that was amazing. That was overwhelming. It's going to happen, guys. Ten out of ten people still die. It's amazing. You see, it's never too late to get into alignment with God's will for our lives. Never too late. Father, we thank you and praise you for this psalm, this song. 
And as they would sing this in the temple area, as people were hearing this song being sung, it caused them to evaluate their own legacy. Am I stubborn? Do I trust in God? Do I even believe in God? Am I just playing church? Am I just being a religious Jew? Or do I really believe in the God of the universe? Father, we pray even for our lives this morning. We don't want to play church. We just don't want to come to Calvary Chapel, punch the clock, hear a study and go home and live out our week trying to make it through. No, Father, we want to be ambassadors for Christ. We want to make a change. We want to have an impact in people's lives. But to do that, we need to allow our lives to be impacted first. So, Father, this week, as we go and we think about these things, help us even as we sang at the very beginning. Help us to resurrender. Help us to open our eyes and open our ears, open our souls, to do self-evaluation, to really come to grasp that we are going to leave a legacy of some sort. What do we want that to look like? And then, Father, we pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. We cannot do this on our own. We're not trying to work our way to heaven. But you do have works for us to do if we're attentive, if we're open. So, Lord, help us to be open this week, wherever we might be, that we might just be a blessing to those around us. Father, we pray for those in Texas. There's tragedy every day in every city. But Lord, that was that's obviously took the headlines this week. So we pray for every one of those family members. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they'd be able to come alongside those people and, and comfort those people and strengthen those people, pray with those people. And Lord, give us wisdom this week. We never know when a tragedy is going to hit our lives. That we would be available to do the same with the people that might be around us. That they would understand God loves them and desires a relationship with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. While we all stand, guys, God bless you. Have a great day. If you don't know Jesus... As your Savior, please come up. We would love to pray for you. Do not be embarrassed. Do not be ashamed. I received Jesus when I was 17 and a half. Do not be embarrassed or ashamed. God loves you guys. Have a great week. And Darrell, is Darrell in the house? I know he's here. Is Darrell here? He's in the office. Okay. I think he's starting Joshua Wednesday night. So the book of Joshua. So if you guys want to come out Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, Darrell's going to be starting the book of Joshua. God bless you guys. Have a great week. What's that? It's going to be uh, Pastor Ralph this Wednesday, and then Darrell will start Joshua the following Wednesday. Okay, two Wednesdays for now. Two Wednesdays for now. All right. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the Bible says that we've been given every spiritual blessing, yet how often, because of sin, do we not walk in that? God's given us His Spirit, yet we got to make that conscious decision to walk by faith daily. 
And so um, let's sing this together. Greater is he that's living in me. He's conquered our enemy. we got to constantly, like Pastor Jim said, just keep reminding ourselves of those truths because the enemy will just snatch that seed out and will not bear any fruit. Same. 